Welcome to the Surge Strength Podcast, powered by Ritter Sports Performance. This podcast is dedicated to helping swim coaches and swimmers learn how to properly implement dry land and strength training programs that result in moving better, reducing injuries, and swimming faster. Let's join your host, Chris Ritter. Welcome back to the Surge Strength Podcast, everyone. Hope you're doing well. I have to admit, I was a little bummed, actually a lot of bummed really, when I read this recent article on Swim Swim about Missy Franklin. And if you guys don't remember who Missy Franklin was, great Olympian, kind of came onto the scene in a, in a flash, was amazing backstroker and actually just an all-around amazing swimmer and had to retire because of just chronic injuries, unfortunately. And apparently recently in an interview, she said how she can't even swim more than 20 minutes and really doesn't see it as a part of her life going forward because her shoulders are so messed up. And she said she never got a second shoulder surgery she apparently needed because her shoulders are so messed up. And that just really bothered me because Let's face it, swimming isn't football, right? In the sport, we are not having collisions at car speeds going into each other. So I can understand when retired football players, especially, you know, running backs or other people that are continually having, you know, blunt force every single game at them. Swimming isn't that sport. And so why are athletes getting broken like that? I don't think it should be a requirement or an exchange if you become an elite swimmer, that your body is then going to be broken for the rest of your life and you're not able to enjoy the sport. And that just really is part of the fuel that I bring when I'm putting together something like the Surge Strength Dryland Certification or when we're helping teams or individual swimmers around the world with our programs. So there is a better way and it's not having swimming defeat your body for the rest of your life. I mean, we're working with master swimmers who are in their 60s and 70s and feeling better and swimming better than they have ever before sometimes. And that's the power that a good, well-rounded, planned out, customized dryland program can help you with. So whether you need to get certified to figure out how to do that as a coach or get us to help you with a program, please don't let what happened to Missy happen to you or allow your kids to happen that you're coaching. I think that's just one of the greatest travesties of a sport that you really can do your whole life. But if you allow it to, it can then take over your life and you're not able to enjoy the water anymore. Enjoy the flow of what it feels like diving in and gliding for the first time. And make sure to that you realize it doesn't even take that much of, a, of something in dryland, right? It's maybe a few shoulder stretches if that's really your thing, or just a few simple core exercises. Don't get intimidated and think, oh, it has to be so much. It has to take over the swimming program for it to get results. It actually doesn't. It's just a few well-placed things sometime. And then, yes, if you want to get a little bit more involved in it, we can always build it out. But I feel like that's maybe why a lot of coaches are hesitant at the start. They feel, oh, it's it's too much. So I'm not even going to do anything. That's the worst thing you can do. Even if you just had your kids do one or two shoulder mobility exercises, movements before they got in the water, that can help so much over the longevity of their career. And let's face it, you're always going to look at like a better coach when all of your swimmers are in the water more consistently. 
And when they're not in the water because of injuries, you're never going to look better as a coach. They're not going to enjoy the sport. And so I just really get frustrated when I read articles like that. I feel bad for Missy. And I hope that you as a coach are equipping yourself. Well, I think on some level you are, you're listening to this podcast, but continue to equip yourself with the knowledge of how you can help your swimmers enjoy the sport, not only now, if they're eight, nine, 10, college, whatever, but for a lifetime and for them not to have to make that choice of, oh, my body is broken. I can no longer enjoy being in the water. So I thought it was fitting with that for our Inside the Surge Strength Academy uh, lesson to be from the internal struggle of a swimmer, where I break that down a little bit more and how dry land plays a part in that. So if you knew the podcast, you don't remember these inside the Surge uh, Strength Academy, they're pulled directly from the Surge Strength Dryland Certification. And for some of them, you can actually check it out for free in the Academy. We have free Dryland 101 courses. So just go to our website, surge-strength.com, enroll in the Academy for free. You can register, take the 101s. You can even check out the reviews. And there are more and more reviews all the time on our new Surge Strength Drown Certification. We have coaches from around the world continuing to get certified now that we've had the final exam open for a few weeks now. It's awesome to see coaches are already putting the SSDC credentials behind their names and their social profile or LinkedIn pages. So that's awesome to see. And then on the Dryland talk, we're going to revisit the conversation we had uh, with LaJoya, a master swimmer that we have had the pleasure to train for a number of years now. And so we pick up the second half of that conversation. So if you missed the first part, that's a few episodes ago. Go back and you can listen to that first one too. Or you could just jump on in. You're not going to, I think you're not going to miss much in terms of uh, one being tied to the other, but it's just the second part of the conversation we had with LaJoya. Inside the Surge Strength Academy. I'm going to be covering the eternal struggle of a swimmer in this talk. Swimming is one of the most repetitive sports, probably outside of running or maybe rowing. There's not many that are up there with swimming in terms of just the sheer amount of volume of the same repetitions. And even though there are different strokes in swimming, a lot of them still use roughly the same amount of joints in the same movement. So yes, there might be some variations between how the arms recovering in a butterfly versus freestyle. But when you look at it muscularly and structurally, there's not that much difference. So we need to make sure that we are aware of that. Number one, when we're doing dryland programs is the volume that swimmers go through and just the sheer repetition of that volume and particularly around a few joints. We're going to get to that in a second, but I want to back up a second first in terms of how you get better as a swimmer. There's a few ways. You can get faster, you can get better technically, or you could do more swimming. And so getting or improving as a swimmer, getting faster as a swimmer usually falls into one of those categories. You're either going to get faster, improve your technique, or just do more volume. Speaking of volume, if we just played out the math here in an average scenario, and again, I'm sure there's coaches out here who are coaching eight and unders, senior citizens, Olympic gold medalists, probably everywhere in between. So I tried to take the average as best I could. So for an average swimmer, let's say they take 14 strokes in one lap. So that's seven on each arm. And they say, let's say we do an average of a 4,000 yard practice 
that's 160 laps. So in one practice, they're taking over 2,000 strokes. In a week, they're taking 13,000 plus strokes. In a month, if they're practicing six times a week, they're taking almost 60,000 strokes in a month. And in a year's time, it's almost 700,000 strokes. Just let that sink in for a second. That is a huge number of strokes. And you need to make sure this question is in your mind as you're doing the dryland to understand the volume that the swimmers are doing in the water to say, well, what if their technique's off just a little bit? How is that affecting them? Or the other question to ask too is, let's say their technique's picture perfect, no issues at all. Do you think taking 700,000 of the same movements in a given year has no unintended consequences? I beg to differ. I think that there are unintended consequences, and we see it a lot in the swimmer's posture, the rounded shoulders there. So this is what we need to think about with dry land, is the eternal struggle of the swimmer is the sheer amount of volume that they have to go through just to be in the sport. And then it's another level if they want to be at any elite level of the sport. We go back to they got to do it faster, better, and more. And more is an easy variable to keep going. Now, we're not in the yardage wars anymore that we were in the 60s, but that still means, I mean, even 7,000-yard practices, not that outrageous, you know, in comparison to 10,000 plus, but still, that's a large amount of volume. And six to 7,000-yard practices are still you know, almost double of our example here with the 4,000 a day. So the volume is tremendous. And we need to keep that in mind when we're doing any dry land program, that that is a constant variable for the athlete who swims that almost no other athlete has in terms of the sheer amount of volume of the same repetition over and over and over again, involving primarily the shoulder and their unintended consequences of that, that you have to then make sure you account for in your dryland program. But a sound dryland program can be what is the other side of that tug of war with the swimmer. And this is why dryland can be so powerful is the swimmers are always pulling on this side in terms of the volume is always going to be pulling. That's a constant in swimming. Now, if you have no dryland program, This is where the injuries happen a lot faster. This is where posture deteriorates. This is where you're going to cap the ceiling of your swimmer's ability because you're not counterbalancing that tug of war in terms of the volume. You want to use the dryland program to actually counteract the unintended consequences, the negative effects of that much volume. We can't get around it. It's part of the sport of swimming. And so the dryland program specifically needs to be keeping that in mind that primary focus is pull the rope on the other side to make sure that we keep the swimmer as in line as possible and try to negate whatever things we can from the effects of all that volume. So make sure you understand that this is an eternal struggle for the swimmer and that dryland plays a critical role in helping with that. Dryland Talk. LaJoya, thanks for coming back on Dryland Talk. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me again. So uh, a while ago, we had you on and we talked about when you first started training with us and how that kind of helped you transform from a track athlete to now a swimmer, that being your focus and the swimmer's body. And then 
not having that piano fall on your back specifically and things like the 100 fly because of the strength that you increased. And then at, uh, at, we went to, at one point then, I closed down the in-person gym that I was running in Charlotte. We went completely online. You moved to another city. So we basically shifted all of your training to what 99% of the people that we deal with <laughs> encounter and being virtual. What was that change like for you? Um, it was definitely a big adjustment. Um, we were just, I know at that time we were wondering, where should we go? Where should I go? And uh, Raleigh was the best option. And I was like, well, I can't take you with me, but you're like, you can do virtual. And I was like, okay. Um, and so the adjustment was interesting because I didn't have that person. I didn't have you saying, Hey, what are you doing? Like, Hey, that grip's wrong. Hey, that, um, that squat need to be a little bit deeper. So it's just basically me remembering and going back to the train. Cause we trained in prison for what, six years, almost five mm-hmm, years. Mm-hmm. And so it's going into that. Okay. What, what are the little details that I can do and how can I do this? And, um, just being consistent was my biggest thing. And also with Chris, when I was training with him in person, if he said, Hey, did you do that extra set? I can't lie to him in person. No, <laughs> I'm like, no, I need to do it. And so like, holding myself accountable here when I'm like, I know that he's not here, so I don't have to see his face, but like holding, still holding myself accountable. So it was a definitely an adjustment. <laughs> and then now at this point, now you've had a, a couple of our uh, Dryland certified coaches train you. And now you're with Sam, who we've had on the podcast and people are getting to know a little bit. What's it been like working with, with Sam versus maybe a program I was writing you? Is there much difference and is it much difference with one coach to another for you? Yeah, um, Sam is awesome. He's been great, especially during this whole COVID time, for sure. And just like us chatting and talking about how to basically fit the dry land to my benefits as of right now and what I'm going with. And so I don't think there was a big change. Um, Obviously, I had to get used to a new coach because I was working with you for so long. Um, But he's still very detailed. We still... um, he still says, hey, send me those videos of you squatting. Hey, you're not <laughs> squatting deep enough. Or, hey, like, what, what is that? And I'm like, yeah. So it's been good. Um, definitely right now, it's just a lot of our gyms were closed. And so we did a lot of body weight. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is not, I'm not going to be sore or anything like that. I'm so sore. I cannot move. Uh, yeah, talk about so, the, you know, with the shutdown. I mean, we had a lot of people that we were already training before the shutdown took place. Be like, man, I'm so glad, like, I already had you guys so that we could just kind of change the routine a little bit and not feel like, oh no, I can't go to the gym anymore. I have nothing to do. I don't, whereas with, you know, you're training with us, with Sam, that he's able to just change some stuff. Talk about what that was like the first few weeks when the shutdown happened and maybe conversations you guys had about how you're going to change your training for the next foreseeable future. Yeah. So that was a very interesting, um, we had that conversation and he was like, what do you have? He's like, we're all in like this same (laughs) position. What do you have? And I was like, I have two dogs that weigh 30 pounds. I can probably pick them up. I don't know. I'm pretty sure I have some stuff. Um, At that time I was working roommate uh, at a gym. My roommate is a manager at a gym. So she brought some stuff home. Um, And so like, we just basically did a lot of body weight, a lot of core and push-ups and agility stuff is what we're definitely getting heavily into because I am a pure sprinter. And so um, we did that. And then I went back to running. (laughs) (laughs) So that was interesting, like running two miles or so, or with Sam, he was like, Hey, let's go back to um, maybe doing some like sprint workouts. So I did like some two hundreds and three hundreds and then agility stuff and some core. So it was good. 
Um, it's been great. Um, some of our gyms are still closed, but the one I'm at right now is open. So I'm thankful for that. So we're like slowly transitioning into getting heavier and building that like foundation. So I just felt like I lost all my foundation and now I'm just like kind of restarting it back up, if that makes sense. Yeah. So what do you feel like in the last, I don't know, month or two, you're focusing on or you're seeing some improvement now that you're back and using some equipment and having a a more variety of a program, if you will? Um, I will say that within the last month or two, it's still, I'm still trying to navigate through the waters of all this, just like mentally and just having a good mindset. So as of right now, our stuff is still building on agility, really working on squats and getting down deep because obviously I just keep forgetting to get down deep in my squats and everything. <laughs> um, but we're doing that. We're working on a lot of, I just went to him and I was like, hey, this is how I feel. I don't feel as strong. I don't feel like I can do as many pull-ups anymore and that's not okay. So we need to get back to it. And so he's like, okay, we'll just kind of build it back, go to build another foundation and build on top of that. So that's just kind of where we are right now. And it's interesting to kind of plan ahead. We've talked about planning ahead and just doing like more, like some more Olympic lifts, some cleans and, and everything like that in there throwing that in there at the time well, when that time is perfect or when gyms start to open up. So I'm excited to see how my body's going to change um, and get stronger um, and be able to have that agility and that like good speed and, and explosion off the blocks and off the wall in a sense. Yeah. How much does it help you? LaJoy, obviously you know how to work out, especially just the years that we've worked together. And now the years that you've worked with, um, other coaches on our staff. So obviously, you know, if I said, Hey, LaJoya, write some dryland workouts for yourself, I'm sure you'd be able to write them pretty well because you've, you've learned from us. Right. But what's the advantage of having a coach actually give you workouts, even though you could probably come up with some yourself? Um, I would say that's a really good question. I actually could write one. I was thinking about that <laughs> myself. I was like, man, I could literally write some programs and be so good at it. And I'm but, sure you probably can, can a little bit judge other people's technique when you're in gyms with joy. It's oh, okay. I, I, I do. do. <laughs> I do. And like, I have a bad thing with my facial expressions. And so like, I'll have this face of like, what are they doing? They're going to hurt themselves. <laughs> and then, yeah. But um, I, I just like training with the Ritter Sports and, and Chris. Um, I've done it for so long that I think it's just, it's a part of my journey in a sense. Like you guys, um, you have got me to where I am. I will definitely say that. So um, I just love training with it, especially with um, working with people that know a little bit more about dry land and technique and what I need. Mm. That is why I continue to work with you guys. You know, if I come to you or Sam and say, hey, this is how I'm performing in the water. This is not okay. Right. I know that I'm a lot older than half the people that are swimming right now. <laughs> and so like, how can I use my strength and my strength is like dry land to get stronger in that that will transfer into the water. And so I love being able to have you guys as a resource and you guys to build a program around that. Yeah. Cause you're right. The, the whole point is that at the end of the day, you're hopefully getting faster in the water and, and being able to train better and perform better because of what you're doing on them. Yes, you enjoy working out, you enjoy getting stronger, feeling good, you know, looking good. But at the end of the day, it all comes back to something around the goal of how does it impact swimming? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for me, it's like, how can I, my mental, my, my mindset is like, 
complete runner sometimes of like the hundred or the 400. So it's like, okay, I know I'm fast. Like I got that fast twitch going on, but how can I, like, what is a little thing that I can like be like my little up game or my little pack back my pocket golden ticket. And that is being able to get stronger in the weight room and perform and then letting it transform into the water. No, that's awesome. How, how often, or what does the communication like look between you and Sam when you're, you know, reaching out with some of these ideas or giving him feedback on how you're feeling in the water and stuff like that? Give people a sense if they haven't been training with us and, and in a program. Yeah. So after my workout, it will say like, you can share notes with your coach or teammates. And so sometimes I'll put notes and say, yeah, I felt really weak today. Mm. Um, today was a little rough. Uh, that set, I, to be honest, I lacked on it or whatnot. So I'm able to connect with him like right after my workout. And then with Sam and I, we talk, I think it's once a month we have a call um, or so. And I can text him throughout if I need to. But usually once a month is great because I can just dump everything yeah. of how I'm feeling and what worked and what didn't work. And then from there, we can talk about what's the best move for, for, for me as an athlete and as a swimmer. And then like he plans it that way. And that's why you're a good client and you're seeing results of joy is because you care enough probably to track that stuff mm-hmm. and give feedback, right? It's not, yeah. it's not a program set up that you just receive, right? And then there's no feedback on your end because then we're coaching in the dark. Right. And so that's, that's what really helps is that you've seen the investment it takes, number one, of this is actually a, a collaboration. It's not just we send you a workout, good luck, mm-hmm. I hope it works, right? It's yeah. you giving feedback and then the workout evolving from that. So I think that's a credit to you because that takes time and effort on your part to make sure, hey, you have to be processing what's going on. How am Mm -hmm. I changing with this? How is this affecting me in the water? And then being able to condense that and give it in a feedback way that Sam can then take that and say, okay, how do I need to adjust the program from here? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the most important thing. Like even whoever's going to work with British sports or whatnot, you cannot, like you just said, take and be like, okay, this is great. Like you have to be like, this work, this doesn't work. And I think that's the benefit because a lot of people don't get that. They don't get to have that open dialogue with maybe your dry land coach who's working with like multiple people of saying, hey, this isn't working. We're like, well, I can't change the workout just for you. So it's yeah. kind of like that personable um, mold that fits you and what you need at that time. No, that's awesome. Joy, as we're ending up here, what would you say to someone who's maybe listened to the podcast a few times, seen some of the stuff on either swim swim articles or other places we've posted content and it hasn't started a surge strength program with us yet, but it's thinking about it. What would you tell them? I would say definitely do it. Um, the results are amazing. Um, especially where I came from basically re-entering into the swimming world to where I am now. It's transformation. It's awesome. Um, definitely, definitely have an open mind and be open to it. But I mean, British sports, they know their stuff and it's so good and it's so refreshing. And so you know that you're going to get what you put into it. And so it's really good. Awesome. Well, LaJoy, who knows what this swim season is going to look like as we're going into the <laughs> fall here. We'll have to have you back on when we get some meats under your belt. <laughs> we can check back in with you. All right. Thanks yeah, that'd be so great. You're welcome. Thank you. Have you joined the Surge Strength Academy yet? It's now free to enroll in the Surge Strength Academy and raise your dryland IQ. 
Visit surge-strength.com to learn more and enroll today. That's surge-strength.com to enroll in the Surge Strength Academy. The goal of Surge Strength is simple. Build better athletes to generate faster swimmers.